You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. On today's episode, which is being dropped on the third day of July 2020, we are going to be doing another alternate universe postseason series, and this one is very interesting if you're a fan of Brad Pitt. This show is available on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts, whatever platform you use. And when you're staying safe at home during these trying times, please, please, please listen to us on your smart device by saying play podcast Lockdown MLB. Or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including Locked on Fantasy Baseball with Scott Cullen. You can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMLB underscore net. You can follow us on Instagram at LockedOnMLB. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. So I put out a thing on Sully Baseball on Twitter, a poll for my fans out there, and 49 of you did this survey. So there you go. That's halfway to a family feud. I wanted to know which one of these four alternate universe postseason series that I could do on whatifsports.com would be interesting to you because they were all interesting to me. The 1980s Astros advancing to the World Series against the Royals. The 1987 Blue Jays making it to the playoffs. The Moneyball A's making it past the ALCS. Or the Yankees playing the Dodgers over the... Astros, that the you know basically the trash canning Astros would be eliminated, and we would have seen what would have happened if that Yankee team played the Dodgers. And it was a razor thin vote, and it went a different way than I thought it was going to. Uh, in fourth place of that bunch was the 1987 Blue Jays making the ALCS. I'll do that eventually because that Blue Jays team was extraordinarily talented and fascinating. I was surprised that in third place was the Yankees versus the Dodgers. What would have happened if the Yankees had won that series instead of having the Astros bang in the trash cans? I thought that was going to win. In third place was the Astros versus the Royals in the 80 World Series, and I was really surprised that the Moneyball A's advancing to the ALCS was the winner. That got 34.7% of the vote. It was pretty close because the Astros-Royals one got 30% of the vote. But I'm going to go the way the fans wanted to. And that 2002 A's team, look, if you've seen Moneyball, you know what happened. That the A's made the playoffs in 2000-2001. They lost a bunch of their players. And they retooled the team. And they made a bunch of strange decisions. They wound up putting together a team that stumbled out of the gate but wound up having a 20-game winning streak, winning 103 games, and everybody thought we were going to have a third straight showdown between the A's and the Yankees, except this time it was going to be in the ALCS, not in the division series. And everyone was waiting for that matchup. And instead of A's-Yankees, we got the Twins versus the Angels. The Angels advanced for the first time in their postseason history, and the Twins, just a year removed from a contraction threat, made it all the way to the ALCS. Well, what would have happened if the A's, who came really close to winning that series, in fact, the winning run was at the plate in the 
final game between the A's and Minnesota. What would happen if they advanced? Now, at first, I wanted to do this as if the Yankees advanced, too, that we got to see that showdown, both 100-win teams making it there. But I'm too much of a petty baseball guy that I do not want to eliminate the Yankees losing to the Angels in that division series. And that Angels team, remember, went on to win the World Series. Very strong, homegrown team with lots of big bats. So what would have happened? Well, let's bend time and space and create an alternate reality where the 2002 A's went on to the American League Championship Series and Moneyball may have a slightly happier ending. Now, the Twins' magical run ended as the A's beat them in the division series, and the Oakland A's would take on another upstart, the Anaheim Angels, who pulled off an upset of the Yankees. In Game 1 of the 2002 Alternate Universe ALCS, Barry Zito, who would go on to win the Cy Young Award that year, took the hill against Kevin Apier and the Angels. And from the start, Barry Zito was in trouble. He hit David Eckstein to lead off the game, and he came around to score in Tim Salmon's RBI single. Zito did not have it. He allowed three more runs in the second. He surrendered a two-run homer to Tim Salmon in the sixth. And the Angels took game one of the ALCS in a clobbering 7-0 blowout. Kevin Apier threw eight shutout innings, and the Angels stole home field advantage. Tim Hudson took the hill for the A's in game two, and right away, the A's looked tight. Jermaine Dye dropped the first ball hit into play, and David Eckstein reached first. But this time, the A's settled down. Through three innings, both teams were hitless. Then Garrett Anderson singled home Tim Salmon in the fourth. The A's tied the game without putting up a hit in the fifth. Troy Glouse homered with two outs in the sixth. And Angels pitcher Ramon Hernandez was working on a no-hitter. But Eric Chavez tied the game with the A's first hit of the game, which was a solo shot. In the A's, in the eighth inning, A's DH Ray Durham hit a deep fly ball that just cleared the wall. And the A's were up 3-2. to two. Billy Koch worked around a walk and earned the save. And the A's tied the series with a 3-1 to one final. The Angels hosted Game 3 in Anaheim as Jared Washburn faced off against Mark Mulder. Miguel Tejada homered in the first for the A's. Troy Glaus singled home a run in the fourth. And that was all the offense the two teams could muster for six innings. In the seventh... The A's patience and wearing down pitchers and taking walks paid off. A single and three straight walks gave the A's a 2-1 to one lead. And with reliever Ben Weber on the mound, Terrence Long cleared the bases with a three-run double. And that was all Mark Mulder needed, who threw a complete game three-hit victory with one unearned run in the 5-1 to one final. The A's could keep their rotation rested, by starting Corey Lytle in Game 5 against John Lackey. In the first four innings, Lytle held his own as the teams were deadlocked 1-1. One to one. But Darren Erstad singled home Benji Gill in the fifth to give the Angels a 2-1 to one lead. Then RBI singles by Scott Spezio and Benji Molina knocked out Lytle. A two-run single by Eric Chavez pulled the A's to within one run in the seventh, but Troy Percival shut down the A's with a perfect ninth, and the series was tied at two games apiece with a 4-3 to three final. 
Barry Zito hoped to redeem his poor Game 1 showing with a Game 5 rematch with Kevin Apier. And right away, the A's jumped on the Angels starters, scoring a run in each of the first four innings. Scott Spezio hit a two-run homer in the fourth, but it was practically the only blemish on Zito's line who went seven innings for the 5-2 win. Oakland was buzzing for a pennant as the series returned for Game 6. Tim Salmon singled home Darren Erstad to give the Angels a run off of Tim Hudson before Oakland even came to bat. But catcher Greg Myers tied the game with an RBI single in the second off of Ramon Ortiz. Eric Chavez homered twice to give the A's a 4-1 lead going into the six. But Hudson tired in the six and came out of the game. And the A's were still leading 4-2. In the eighth inning, Oakland was six outs away from the World Series, and the wheels came off. An error by Miguel Tejada, a hit, a walk, loaded the bases. Brad Fulmer clocked a three-run double to give the Angels the lead. Adam Kennedy and David Eckstein padded the lead, and when the smoke cleared, the Angels had a 7-4 lead, which Percival held on to. And now there was going to be a Game 7. The A's were playing in their fourth do-or-die game in three years and had to face Angels ace Jared Washburn. Mark Mulder started for the A's, and through three innings, neither team could score. In the bottom of the fourth, Jermaine Dye and David Justice both single, and second baseman Mark Ellis blooped a perfectly placed double into left center field, scoring both Dye and Justice. Staked to a 2-0 lead, Mulder went to work. He did not allow a hit in the 5th, the 6th, the 7th, or the 8th inning. Mulder seemed poised to finish what he started, but instead, Art Howe made the decision to lift Mulder for the, in the ninth for closer Billy Koch. Would this move come back to haunt the A's? No. The Angels went 1-2-3 in the ninth. The A's won the pennant. And Mark Mulder was the obvious ALCS MVP with his 17 innings where he allowed one unearned run. Moneyball was now World Series ball. Billy Bean had his team in the World Series. And now the only thing separating him from a title was the other team from the Bay and their legend with something to prove. Now let me tell you something before we get to this World Series... I'm feeling a little bit hungry, and I may need to order something from Postmates. Now, let me tell you, if you're like me, you love to watch games, listen to games, or even have someone describe a game with your favorite comfort food, and nothing beats fish and chips for your pal Sully. I love me my fish and chips. You got to be able to deal with that. But with some of the restaurants around here, you know, struggling to stay open, obviously, in these weird times. I use Postmates, and they have what's called non-contact delivery. So when I order my fish and chips, everything gets delivered right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up. You guys need to be supporting these local neighborhood restaurants now. I've been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. And it's not just fish and chips. They make my life easier by picking up anything I need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it right outside my door. Download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites. Get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Start your free deliveries. Download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. 
That's code locked on for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. The A's and the Giants meeting in the World Series for the fifth time. The first three times were the New York Giants versus the Philadelphia Athletics. In 1989, the Oakland A's swept the San Francisco Giants in the Earthquake Series. Now they faced off as Dusty Baker finally got the Giants in the World Series, their first trip since that 89 series. Lots of veterans like Jeff Kent, Benito Santiago, Kenny Lofton, Rich Aurelia, and Sean Dunstan were looking for their first ring. But Barry Bonds, playing in the first fall classic of his career, was looking to secure a ring and give the Giants their first ever title in San Francisco. For Billy Bean, it was a chance to show that Moneyball and analytics were for real. Lose Jason Giambi, Jason Isringhausen, and Johnny Damon in one offseason? No problem. Network's Associate Coliseum was packed with both Giants and A's fans as Jason Schmidt and Barry Zito squared off. Barry Bonds struck out in his first World Series at bat, but Zito was wild in the third, loading the bases with two outs. Reggie Sanders slapped a two-run single, and J.T. Snow crushed a three-run homer into the right field bleachers. Jeff Kent added another homer in the fifth, and Jason Schmidt had all the run support he needed. He gave the Giants seven and third innings, striking out 11 and earning the 7-1 decision. It was the first World Series game won by the Giants since 1962. The A's, on a five-game World Series losing streak dating back to 1990, handed the ball to Tim Hudson to make a series out of it. Eric Chavez gave the A's an early 1-0 lead with a single off of Russ Ortiz. Hudson held the 1-0 lead until he uncorked a wild pitch that scored Reggie Sanders to tie the game. But David Justice singled home Jermaine Dye in the sixth. Chad Bradford and Billy Koch went the rest of the way, preserving a 2-1 victory for Oakland. The teams crossed the bay for a matchup of past postseason heroes. Levon Hernandez won the 1997 NLCS and World Series MVP for Florida. His opponent would be Mark Mulder, who dominated the Angels in the ALCS. He did not allow an earned run in his 17 ALCS innings, but in the World Series, he was pounded for three runs in the first. Barry Bonds singled home his first World Series RBI, and Mark Mulder would settle down, and the game remained close, 3-1 to one in the seventh. But the Giants rallied for two more runs in the seventh. LeVon Hernandez did the rest, throwing eight strong frames, allowing a single run, and the Giants captured a 2-1 to one series lead with a 5-1 victory. Now someone made the decision to start Barry Zito on short rest for Game 4. Was it manager Art Howe, or was it Billy Bean? We may never know. But the A's needed to secure a win or face a 3-1 series hole. Kurt Reeder would get the start for San Francisco. The A's took an early lead with Jermaine Dye's two-run home run in the second. Oakland maintained a 3-1 lead into the sixth when Rich Aurelia and the homered and the Giants rallied but left the bases loaded. Zito also worked out of trouble in the seventh, keeping the 3-2 Oakland lead. Miguel Tejada singled home Ray Durham with a critical insurance run in the eighth, and an RBI pinch hit single by veteran Randy Velarde padded the lead to 5-2. Billy Koch struck out J.T. Snow, David Bell, and pinch hitter Sean Dunstan to seal the 5-2 victory 
and the A's tied the series two games to two. With the series guaranteed to go back across the Bay to Oakland, the A's rolled the dice. Corey Lytle would get the Game 5 start, which would allow Hudson and Mulder to be on full rest for Game 6 and 7, and have Zito be available for potential relief in a do-or-die 7th game. Jason Schmidt, the Game 1 winner for the Giants, was on full rest for this pivotal swing game. In the third, David Bell broke the scoreless tie with a leadoff homer, giving the Giants a 1-0 lead. In the sixth, however, the A's surged ahead. Hatterberg, Tejada, Chavez, and Dye started off the inning with hits. Three runs came across the score, knocking out Schmidt. Chad Zerbe came out of the bullpen and held the damage, but Lytle now had a lead. Lytle had given the A's five decent innings and a lead, and how, or was it Bean, decided to go to the bullpen. But Ted Lilly got hit hard in the sixth, allowing RBI doubles to Jeff Kent and Benito Santiago to tie the game. Chad Bradford came in and allowed an RBI double to Reggie Sanders. When the dust settled, the Giants were up 5-3, to three, and relievers Tim Worrell and Rob Nen held the score. The Giants were up 3-2 to two and went back to Oakland, needing only one win for the title. Russ Ortiz was given the ball for the Giants. Tim Hudson was on the mound for the A's, who wanted to push the series to the limit. In the third, the game was scoreless. David Bell singled, and Chiosho Sinjo homered to put the Giants on top. Later, Benito Santiago would single home Rich Aurelia to pad the lead 3-0. Going to the fifth, not only were the A's down 3-0, they were looking for their first hit. Jermaine Dye let off the inning with a homer and put the A's on the board, but Hudson continued to struggle. He let up another hit to Aurelia and an RBI single to Bonds, who at this point had not collected an extra base hit in the series. In the seventh, Jermaine Dye struck again, this time with a two-run homer, and cut the lead to 5-3. to three. David Justice followed with a triple, and suddenly the tying run was at the plate with nobody out in the seventh. Felix Rodriguez came out of the bullpen and struck out Mark Ellis, got Terrence Long to line out, and Greg Myers to ground out, ending the threat. Chad Bradford got into trouble in the eighth, and with two outs and nobody on, Ricardo Rincon came in to relieve Bradford to face Barry Bonds. Bonds unloaded and crushed a towering three-run home run into the right field stands. It was the exclamation point. The Giants had an 8-3 to lead, and it was Bonds who drove home the final nail. The A's did put up runs in the 8th and ninth, but they could never get the tying run to the plate. With a score 8-5 to and a runner on first, Rob Nen got Miguel Tejada to ground out to reach Aurelia, who threw to J.T. Snow, and the World Series was over. San Francisco had their first ever title, the Giants had finally won a World Series, and Barry Bonds was a World Series champion. Fingers reported in the media about whose decision it was to not start Hudson in Game 5, but the tensions were already there between Billy Bean and Art Howe. Howe would leave Oakland to manage the Mets, and Dusty Baker, newly crowned World Series champion, would leave the Giants for Chicago and had an answer for all of his critics in his Hall of Fame career. It was Rich Aurelia, not Bonds, who was the World Series MVP, as he batted 416 and an OPS of 982 in the six-game series. 
Meanwhile, Billy Bean, pondering an offer from the Red Sox, drove around the docks of Alameda, listening to his daughter sing a song. So there you have it. An alternate universe. The A's still don't win that title, but you get rings for Bonds and Dusty Baker. And how would Baker's career, if everything went the exact same way after this alternate universe, be looked at if he had that World Series ring? His time with the Cubs, Reds, and Nationals would be padding a resume for the Hall of Fame instead of having it be someone who makes you scratch your head. Bonds would have his title, and you'd probably still have the wonderful run with Bochi and company, and it would still be pretty terrific. And the A's, well, at least they'd have a trip to the World Series. So there you go, another parallel universe. I do want to see what happens to those other three. Uh, so we'll see which one comes next. I'm, I may lean towards the Astros and the Royals, and I'll explain why that's so interesting to me. But hey, it is the 3rd of July. Please be safe. Please make smart decisions. This isn't a joke out there. There's wonderful ways we can celebrate the 4th of July, which is, I'll be honest, one of my favorite holidays of the year. I love the 4th of July. I love everything about the 4th of July, except people setting off firecrackers in a parking lot. Knock that off. But have a wonderful weekend, everyone. This has been Locked On MLB for the third day of July 2020. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.